Please pay attention. This message is for your own safety. Our nation is in crisis. A state of emergency has been declared. Should you find your safety compromised, it is vital that you do not panic. Trying to avoid detection. Two seconds. Use weapons to defend yourself. Oh no, that's the second half we ever bought. Purple rain. No, sanitize. Definitely not. Oh, that's strange. Sorry. And remember, the attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. We're a bunch of guys who were once part of a Film Society podcast, kept podcasting on into the ether, doing scholarly film analysis of junk movies that will never find their way into film studies syllabi. We are going to be talking about a little film called Shaun of the Dead this week. But first, introductions to my left. My name is Dalton Stewart, and dogs can look up. <laughs> Thank you very much for that piece of information. Across the table, if you would, sir. Hi, I'm Arthur Gordon, and as Bertrand Russell once said, the only thing that will redeem mankind is cooperation. Thank I think you. we can all appreciate the relevance of that now. That's from a beer commercial, right? Uh, Guinness Stout, I believe. <laughs> Thank you very much. My name is Essence Tells, and I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. And <laughs> I am so glad to be here with you gentlemen at this table to talk about this movie. Now... Warning, dear listener, this is not a review show. Negatory. It's, it's an analysis show. That means we are going to be breaking down the movie and we will be doing spoilerific spoilerich. And as a result, uh, after our quick reviews, thumbs up and thumbs down that we give following our synopsis, it is in spoiler territories. If you want to pause that point, fantastic, and come back later. Otherwise, go ahead and listen through the end, but we warned you. That's right. What do the Good Trash genre cast and Hondas have in common? Spoilers. Mmm. He'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank be sure you. to tip your waitress. Now, let's begin with a synopsis from the voice of the cinema himself, Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. A man decides to turn his moribund life around by winning back his ex girlfriend, reconciling his relationship with his mother, and dealing with an entire community that has returned from the dead. To eat the living. That's right. It's a rom-com zom. And it's a use of moribund in a synopsis, which is kind of fascinating all by itself. Yeah, pretty weird. No, yeah, that's that's excellent. So we're gonna begin. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Does the film work or not? 
and what do we think about it. So let's do that with all brevity so we can get into our analysis. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say, sir? Uh, this is a lot of fun. I enjoy it more every time that I watch it. Uh, the first time I saw it, I was actually not enthralled. It didn't click with me. I didn't get the humor when I was younger when I first tried to watch it. Uh, then a friend suggested I try watching it again, and I did, and I laughed. I was uh, several years older. Uh, then I watched it again, and then I've watched it a few more times since then. I, I really enjoy it. I have to give a huge mention, uh, not only to the cast here and all the cameos. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but also, I think one of the main show stealers here is the editing. Mm -hmm. And it's something yeah. that comes back throughout the rest of uh, the trilogy. Uh, but this hyperkinetic montage sequence editing... Uh, about the most uh, boring things, i.e. brushing your teeth and shaving, is brilliant and it's fascinating. Are you using blue? Is hilarious. And it just sets the tone for for one of the funniest movies uh, in the past several years. So I'm definitely two thumbs up. Uh, 18 out of 23 trash cans, if Thank you, you will. Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, how many trash cans does it work for you or does it not? 137 out of 149. I like... That's pretty high rating, I think. <laughs> he has a lot of trash cans. That's a 95 percentage, I believe. You never know. We're living in the first world, ladies and gents. You never can have too many trash cans. Um, I, I I've got dig... trash cans for my trash cans. I trash cans on trash cans on trash cans. Oh, uh, good lord. This is ridiculous already. Uh, I love this movie. It's so much fun. Jokes abound. Uh, as Arthur said, I think what we see here is something that we learned about Edgar Wright uh, back when he was doing Spaced. Go back and watch us talk about that show, if you'd like. Um, Edgar Wright is just a, a knack for and an eye for editing and just really making mundane things, as Arthur said, look infinitely fascinating. It's a hilarious movie and has probably the best use of the Queen song, Don't Stop Me Now, ever. <laughs> what is not to like? It's funny, um, and really, I had forgotten how intense the last, like, the, the third act of this is. It's really intense. It's really yeah. heavy. I had forgotten that, and it's something I'd remember... Uh, about Hot Fuzz and something that's very fresh in my mind because I saw The World's End fairly recently. Um, but I'd forgotten that it carries back all the way to Shaun of the Dead and, and that all three of these Cornetto films have really kind of intense and emotionally and uh, viscerally exciting endings. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I'm going to say many of the same sort of things. I would give this 75 trash cans out of 86 and uh, I'm very, very glad to have seen the film. I'm not sure what that would actually average out to. I think it's 90%. Yeah, it's roughly. Who it's knows? About a 90. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I like it a whole lot. And it's a guaranteed fresh reading from me, I suppose, in those trash cans. Uh, it works very well. The, the scripting is really the strongest thing uh, about the film. It's just it's so stinking smart. And the way all of the uh, gags are conceived, the performances uh, from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are just outstanding and uh, of course I do really love the uh, already dead performance by whoever that guy is who was the uh, final minister of magic uh, that was pretty fantastic as well that would be <laughs> Bill dead Nye. Phil oh dead Phil dead Phil yeah. dead is Phil. it Bill Nighy yeah okay. Bill Nighy. yeah but I enjoyed it very much. It's a solid film and I'm glad to have watched it. Thank you very much gentlemen for those reviews. Let's do what we do at this point. It's time to bring some analysis. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis bring you? You know, watching Shaun of the Dead, I, I ended up thinking about something I don't typically think about when we watch films, uh, and that was philosophy. Specifically, the school of philosophy 
uh, existentialism. For those of you not in the know, I'll spin the tale for you very quickly. Uh, basically, existentialism is the philosophical school of thought uh, that the meaning of life is all in your decisions, the choices you make. And we see this uh, throughout Shaun of the Dead, that Shaun is locked in this arrested development in which he is not making choice. And his existentialism would have you believe is if you are not deciding, you are not living, you are barely existing. Uh, and we see that early in the film before the zombie shows up as these these drones, these, these faceless people just kind of milling about their days, not really seeming to have much purpose or excitement or enthusiasm for their lives. Uh, up until the poop hits the fan, the only decisions Sean makes are whether or not to get a Coke or a Diet Coke. Chew on that, because if we don't make a decision, if we don't go out there and decide things for ourselves and for the path of our life, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. We're just zombies, shuffling about and waiting to get hit in the head with something heavy and then be dead. So get out there, live your life, kids. And that's what really struck me about Sean that did watching it this time was just that kind of hev- heavy existentialism throughout the mm-hmm. film. Sean trying to figure out how to make decisions and ha- how to take some agency over his life. And that's something I found really engaging. Um, we have all these different characters kind of represent, representing different aspects of this, uh, you know, Ed, couldn't think of Nick Frost's character's name, Ed representing this this thing to Sean of the ignorance of, the bliss of ignorance, I, I should say, and how, how fun that can be. And then we have his girlfriend, um, Liz. I'm just Liz, thank you. I'm blanking on character names tonight. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, Liz representing this, you know, this this drive for, hey, do something with yourself. Let, please, I don't want to end up sitting in this bar like the rest of these saddled fuckers wondering how I got here. Uh, and we see that in the bar. Lots of sad people just drinking and being sad. Uh, and by the end of the film, Sean kind of lands somewhere in the middle. Yeah, they, they you know, they go have a spot of tea, go to the pub, and come back and watch the telly and go to bed. Uh, and that's their life, but at the very least, they picked it, and they're deciding to live it together, and Sean has decided to keep his best friend around, because friendship's important, too. And uh, next to making choices, I think the most important thing is choosing to surround yourself with good people, which is why we do this. Thank you for that very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And uh, one of the great existentialist philosophers, John Paul Sartre, once said, hell is other people, and certainly in a zombie film... That would be the case. Which really kind of undermines what I was just saying about how the only thing more important than making choices is surrounding yourself with good people. Well, the, but there's the bad people, too, that are kind of forcing decisions and upon eating you. you and challenging your authenticity of your decisions because you've all these expectations. By eating you. By eating you, which is what mom is doing um, before and after. That's true. She becomes a zombie. Yes. So I think it's something there. And uh, her husband, Philip, who there is nothing left of in that car. Mm. Mm. It's one of my favorite, favorite laughs of that entire movie. There is nothing of the man you loved left in that car. <laughs> Click. Okay, let's go. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what analysis bring you? Uh, what Shaun of the Dead does, uh, through the work of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, is introduce and develop the next evolution of male British comedy hero, uh, the Cadolt. Uh, this idea, the Cadolt, is Say nothing. that word one more time. Cadolt. The Cadolt. It's a comedy. Kid, adult. Had a baby, cadult. That's uh, that's one of those uh, pork mouths you hear about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of the cadult is nothing new. This mid to late twenties man who, as Dalton said, is stuck in a state of arrested development. Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything, and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. 
Sparks Arrested Development. This mid to late 20s man who shucks responsibility and has no motivation or drive harkens back to similar characters in early 90s American comedy. What Shaun of the Dead does is take this slacker style character, make him a bit more irresponsible, and give him a very distinct British flavor. Uh, the early 90s comedies, such as the independent work of Kevin Smith and the characters played by Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler, share similarities with Cadolt, played by Peg. Uh, we see Dante in Clerks, who is afraid to commit, uh, but he constantly takes his girlfriend's ideas and thoughts into consideration uh, while being challenged by Randall, of course, his id-type character, who we see similarly represented by Ed. Similarly, the characters played by Carrie and Sandler are a bit loser-like, uh, but they generally begin to act more responsible once they meet the romantic lead of the film, ultimately, in these films. Cool. the uh, uh, This is as the classic Hollywood goes, because we have the female lead, and that's where... Half of our narrative goes in setting this heterosexual relationship up. Right. Sean's story starts a bit differently as he's already in a relationship, and when she ends things with him, Ed is quick to move in to fill that space. Uh, Sean is not propelled to maturity after the breakup. It is not until he realizes Liz's life could be in danger uh, does he begin to act in a more responsible manner. Uh, the adult type doesn't want to grow up, whereas the slacker just lacks the proper motivation. And in fact, even when the adult does finally face responsibility and, quote, grow up, end quote, uh, there is still a part of him that has to acknowledge that inner child. Uh, this is evidenced in Sean when he goes out to the shed and we see that he has taken in Zombie Ed to spend time with and play video games with. You're my Which best friend. Which is the funniest tag. Oh, it's so great. funny. The distinct Britishness of the character, though, comes into play in three key places throughout the film. Uh, the first and most minor element is, as already mentioned, the musical selection throughout the film, uh, which is made up of quite a few British bands, most notably Queen, uh, who is played at several key moments in the film, uh, most notably in the bar fight uh, with the zombies and over the closing credits when we see Ed and Sean hanging out playing games, and he is his best friend. Mm-hmm. Queen is also used to remind us of the monarchy, as a pun is made about killing the queen. So funny. On the jukebox, of course. I have things to say about this. The second and more significant piece in Sean is Sean's weapon of choice. While Ed goes around using a shovel and a Winchester rifle appears during the final act, it is Sean's select weapon which reinforces the British identity of the, his adult type, uh, the cricket paddle. Uh, cricket is a huge sport for the Brits, and for him to use a cricket paddle is a large statement about the character's identity. I don't know if it's so much a huge sport for the Brits so much as it is a sport exclusively for the Brits. For the Brits. Well, and, both and, the and, Indians. And India. I was, yeah. yeah, and India. The imperialistic Brits. There's a colonial comment there. I think you're onto something. The final and most prominent piece is the Winchester pub itself. It serves as the primary catalyst for Ed and Liz's breakup. It is the hub of Sean and Ed's life. If it didn't close, both men would seemingly live there. And if the Winchester isn't available, Ed has a list of pubs for them to crawl through. Uh, the Winchester is also the setting of the final showdown, and it is a place where Sean must leave Ed behind, say goodbye to his mother, and place Liz into the primary significant other role in his life. And, let's just face it, there's nothing more British than killing zombies in a pub with a cricket paddle while Queen plays in the background. There may be one other element to this whole theory, but I think I'll save that for next week when we go into Hot Fuzz and wrap this whole double feature up. Ooh, that's a foreshadowing. I think there's even more to the, to the 90s uh, American comedy, and I was specifically thinking about... Uh, uh, oh my God, Livingston, Ron Livingston's uh, character in Office Space. Mm. I was thinking yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. about that and his, his yeah. arrested development when you were when you were talking about that and his, his refusal to be part of the system and how sometimes uh, in, you know refuting the system uh, as as Sean kind of does a little bit 
uh, can be just as meaningful as embracing the system as we see with you know Sandler and yeah. you know, those types of characters. Well, all right, guys. Thank you very much uh, for that uh, analysis. What I would want to say is there is definitely a a critique of consumer global late capitalism going on in the film, and it's interesting the way this and this is typical of zombie films in general. We think Dawn of the Dead. Uh, the original, the Romero one, and it's setting in a, in a shopping mall and that sort of runaway consumption and, of course, the runaway consumers around them. And there's a zombie shuffle that goes on in the opening credits, mm. which is not of zombies. It's of just of people buying things at the supermarket and shuffling on off to work and how the entire culture, uh, the entire system provides... Um, shackles. A, shackles, a sense of alienation. And uh, it's a very disturbing set of life. And that the, the people on the bus before the zombie outbreak look just as dead and living dead as those before. There's this interesting recurring motif where I, I guess she's an ex-girlfriend of Sean's that she runs into that he runs into a few times. She's got the golf club at the end oh. when yeah. uh, they're rescued. I think they were roommates at one point. Nice. Yeah, you know, it's possible they might have posed as boyfriend and girlfriend. So they in a threes the, company type yeah, situation. Yeah, flat, yeah, kind of deal. Every time they run into each other, though, uh, she asks how they're doing. And before the zombie outbreak, they're surviving. After the outbreak, they're surviving. When they get out of the pub, they're surviving. It's that there is this onslaught always, and you're just trying to survive against it. And that there needs to be some sort of rebellion against these zombie consumerist hordes in order for things to be made right again. And interestingly enough, there's a bit of iconography throughout the film where Sean goes to his dead-end alienating job where he's 29 years old and there's a 17-year-old kid working for him and gives him no respect. It's that he's always got red on him. And it seems that you have to get some red on you in order to make your way through that. And the symbolism politically um, seems to be fairly obvious there as well. What's interesting as well is that the way resistance takes place is in the formation of a community. And uh, famously, there are social, social theorists who talk about third places. I'm sure Dalton could speak more about this than I could. I'm not going to. Of course. <laughs> where human beings, they have two places typically. They have a place where they live and they have a place where they work. And then there's a third place. And the third place is a place, a location, a mobilization where by gathering in their third place at the pub in this case, they're able to form a sense of community and be able to form some sense of resistance and retaliation against the hegemony, which is that kind of cultural uniformity of the culture and say maybe there's some other way to live. And in that place, they decide they're going to kill the queen. God save the queen! The fascist regime! And made you a moron! Potential hate! saying. And so it seems to me all these pieces sort of fit together for some sort of cultural revolution. And that is also working along with the same sort of masculinity critiques and existential critiques that we've heard so far today. I think also working in the themes is this uh, anti-capitalist critique and uh, suggestion towards Revolution, And it makes it a very deep and thoughtful film. It's not just a big laughy chuckle chuckle. Hey, they're Brits and they're fighting zombies and being all polite and silly. It's There's a lot more going on with the film. Thank you, gentlemen. That's some brilliant analysis. Um, we're going to move on, though, now to the place where we must choose. You must choose. But choose wisely. 
there must be a verdict and we have to decide shelf or trash else or instead with this film it sounds like there's going to be unanimity on the shelving or trashing but I'm interested interested to hear the else's and perhaps instead Mr. Arthur Gordon what say you sir I'm going to say shelf it is on mine along with the rest of the Cornetto trilogy Hot Fuzz and The World's End uh, which would be my first recommendation as else's I'd also suggest Wright Scott Pilgrim vs. the World where he's playing quite a bit with editing and meta-ness and just all kinds of deep cut references to things and pop culture um i'd also check out as dalt mentioned spaced uh finally i think you can check out uh, zombie land which pairs nicely here is a fun american uh rom-zom-com if you will and uh also i'd say go back to the early 90s check out clerks and Mallrats. give kevin smith some loving excellent i like those picks very much mr dalton stewart what do you say shelf or trash else or instead oh shelf it shelf it shelfy shelves put it on your shelf seas um Else or instead, or rather I should say else, you should watch uh, Attack the Block, which is a film that Edgar Wright helped produce. Um, it is a, a kind of a, a subversion uh, of Shaun of the Dead in a lot of ways, in which we see a couple of white middle-class guys fighting an invasion, uh, where in Attack the Block we see uh, a lot more minorities and, and uh, street youths, as it were, fighting off an alien invasion. And mm-hmm. It's very, very similar... Yeah. Uh, in, in tone, yeah. uh, but really a, a, its own very special movie, and it's one I like quite a bit. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while, but I enjoyed it a lot. As Arthur recommended, I would also have you check out Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I think it might actually be my favorite Edgar Wright film. I like it a lot. I mean, it's been a minute since I've seen it, uh, but I, I, man, it's kind of a spiritual sequel or, you know, between cool. Uh, for the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. I Man, there's a lot it of fits. the same things going on there. and I just like that movie a whole lot in terms of what it's trying to say about human interaction uh, and relationships. And also, man, those fight scenes are super cool, aren't yeah. they? Um, finally, I was just like, okay, I want to think of a, a zombie comedy, but I don't want to recommend Fido or something you've probably heard of. So I'm going to recommend uh, this, this straight-to-DVD film that I happened to see long ago called Dance of the Dead. It's a zombie... Prompocalypse. Yeah, yeah, the zombies attack the prom. It's really ridiculous and kind of stupid, but you can tell that they're having fun. And it's, uh, you know, you're not sure how much of the comedy is intentional. I, I think a lot of it is, but there's some unintentional comedy going on there. But it's a lot of fun. It's wacky. And there's a cool scene where they're running through the graveyard and zombies are literally exploding out of the ground like, <laughs> to chase them. It's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, I want to give you a deep cut to check out. So do that. Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to also say Shelf. It's great. I really, really appreciate this movie. In terms of its uh, resistance, of course, you could say Dawn of the Dead, which was already mentioned uh, in my analysis earlier. But if you want to go different places of these sort of narratives of resistance to the uh, imperialistic culture around us, I would say you might ought to check out other British films that suggest those things, one of them being Children of Men, starring Clive Owen, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, and also Pink Floyd's The Wall, as another film that sort of begins to suggest those sort of things, and it remains quite British. Of course, if you're going to examine this film as a piece of somewhat Marxist propaganda, then maybe you ought to take a look at Battleship Potemkin. And uh, there's another place where you're seeing the sort of uh, subtext made the main text in uh, this film. And Every time I hear Battleship Potemkin, I think Mandy Patinkin. 
This is the thing. And take, it's funny. take that and put it in your pocket. Thank you. Enjoy it for a rainy day. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, that's been great times and good fun. Let's give the dear listener opportunities to participate in the conversation through that magical means known as social media. Arthur Gordon, do you know anything about that stuff? Uh, yeah, you could uh, email us, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Or you could find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash good trash genre cast. Uh, we have a couple of bits um, of feedback on our zombie origins game from Planet Terror when we discussed that. Keegan Parrish uh, says that Night of the Creeps from 86 is a fun mix of zombies and alien invasion. Uh, slugs from outer space jump into your mouth and incubate in your brain, making you a walking corpse. I hate it when that happens. This concept was revisited with James Gunn's Slither. Uh, both are a lot of fun. Also, uh, Gracia, a former co-host and friend of the show, uh, mentions Quarantine as one of her favorite zombie origin films. Or films with zombie origins. Enrichment. Yeah, we got there. So that's what we got coming in from Facebook this week. Thank you very much, Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything about other means of social media that may have be available? What's, what's the plan? Right. We take out our phones, go to our social media folder, open up Facebook, delete Facebook, sorry Facebook, then we scroll over, get out Twitter, open up the hashtags, hashtag something silly, tweet about relevant social newses, tweet about movies, and wait for this whole thing to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Ladies and gentlemen, we can be found on Twitter. At good underscore trash. Is there any feedback coming in from the Twitter, sir? Nope. <laughs> 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 All right. I'm kidding. Uh, there is one. Uh, Brad Leperson uh, has just recently listened to our Star Trek Into Darkness episode and has a game entry for us. And I'm going to have Dustin read this, actually. Dustin, you get to read some Twitter feedback, because I don't know jack shit about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and it's a dark Star Trek Deep Space Nine reference. <clears throat> sure thing, Dalton. Love to do so. Jadzia Dax, Jedi Knight versus Ben Sisko, Sith. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. So Jadzia is sort of the, the pretty one. I don't know what you want to say. Um, she is the object in the Deep Space Nine series mm -hmm. versus the black Captain, Je Captain Sisko. And so, as the Dark Jedi, and he has got a very deep, bassy, scary man voice, and that would be a fun, I think that's good casting, for sure. The hashtag from Mr. Leperson there being, star, hashtag Star Trek Deep Sith Nine. Oh, nice. Puns. I like puns it. Puns on puns on puns. So thank you. I don't even remember what the game was for that. Well played, Mr. Epperson. What, what, well was played. Our, what, was our, what was our game? We were talking about uh, Star Trek Star Wars Universe spinoff movies. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now I remember. So he wants a little mashup action there. Mm -hmm. I, I like, like it. it. Okay. Well, that's that's it from Twitter. So uh, shame be to the rest of you. There you go. Well, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. Of course, there's other ways that you can follow the show. Obviously, we are at podbean.com forward slash good trash genre cast. We're also on Tumblr at good trash genre cast dot tumblr dot com. You can follow the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, and we would love to keep on talking with you all about the movies that matter. But now that we've gotten through all of that, gentlemen, guess what? It's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> 
week's game is British comedy. We're just going to talk about them and what our favorites thereof may be. That's right. British comedy brought to you by Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. If you're not laughing, you're still alive. What? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that strange introduction, Mr. Dalton What are your picks? You know, I, I was... I, obviously, we got to go back, back, back to the beginning. And not really the beginning. Really the beginning of the new. And talk about Monty Python. And I'm not going to talk about Holy Grail, because everybody talks about Holy Grail and how much they love it. Oh my god, Holy Grail so cool. No, shut up. You know what you really need? Here is the barometer, the, the barometric test for me, on whether or not somebody's really into Monty Python. Have you seen, and now for something completely different. It's one of my favorites. I know it's just a compilation of sketches, but it's great. We're going to move on from that, though. The genesis of that, their, one of their final films, and that is Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Which is probably my favorite Monty Python movie. It's so great. Every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is great. If a sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. Every sperm is sacred. Uh, there's so many great sketches in that from... Uh, the classic Every Sperm is Sacred, uh, the dinner scenes. Oh, it's just, it, it's so funny. I recommend you check that out highly. Um, and then I want you to look at some evolution. Go check out A Fish Called Wanda, which is a semi-reunion of the Python gang and a film we talked about a while ago that uh, none of us really loved. But I think you should check it out. I think it's worth a watch. Finally, I'm actually going to recommend a British television series. Uh, you should check out The IT Crowd with uh, Chris O'Dowd, who's now really kind of quasi-famous thanks to his appearance of Bridesmaids and a couple other American things. But I, I like the IT crowd a whole, whole lot, and last I checked, the whole thing was streaming on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So uh, you should do that. Outstanding. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, your favorite Brit comedies. Well, I will quickly mention Holy Grail, because it is Holy Grail. And I'll also shout out Life of Brian. Let's go ahead and get them all out there. Life of Brian's Let's just go ahead and throw them on the table. Oh, man. Life of Brian's um, good. Because Monty Python, are, they're good. Look on the bright side of life. I can't whistle. Obviously, the Cornetto films, as we're talking about them tonight, I would go back in time and I'd say Hitchcock's The Ladies Vanishes, uh, which kind of falls into the comedy suspense uh, genre. It's a lot of fun. Uh, early Hitchcock. And, it's kind of a caper. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's good stuff. And then I would fast forward just a few years to David Lean's Blythe Spirit, uh, which is also a lot of fun, uh, based off Noel Coward's play of the same uh, title, I believe. Uh, I would then move into the gangster genre, and I'd say Snatch and In Bruges, and finish off with Rock and Rolla. Yeah, excellent. Oh, I love me some Rock and Rolla. I like those picks very much, gentlemen. Uh, my picks, I want to say Four Weddings and a Funeral. That movie is just hilarious, and I love it, and everything British about it. With Nail and I is another great British comedy, but my favorite Brit comedy is probably directed by an American director, but it's Death at a Funeral. Uh, directed by Frank Oz, mm -hmm. and it is just a hoot every time I watch it, and I want to die. I I've been meaning to watch it for a long it's, time. It's so good. The beginnings of Peter Dinklage's rise to awesomeness. <laughs> I should have also said Pirate Radio. That's a fun movie. Oh, yeah. I always forget about that one. Well, guys, that was a great game. I like all of those picks, and that was uh, just some fantastic stuff. So, gentlemen, before we move on to what's got us fired up this week in popular culture, we what we had was basically an American genre, the zombie film translated into a British context as a comedy, and that was a lot of fun. 
my question to you would be, what culture would you like to see a zombie translation? There's, of course, the joke Juan of the Dead, which is a Mexican film about a guy called Juan. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I just want to know what translated culture zombie film would you want to see? And if you want to go ahead and add a genre mashup to it, go right on ahead. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Well, I had an idea, and here it is. We're going to take an American, two American genres, and take them to another country. We're going to take the Western and the infamous Spaghetti Westerns, and I want to see a zombie Spaghetti Western. Outstanding. Yeah? I like doesn't that. that sound, doesn't that sound shiny? That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd like to see that. A period I, Western. I, I'm a period definitely, zombie. Definitely period zombie film. Yeah, There's not enough of those. Yeah, I no think doubt. There, there should be more. I really do. Why? Why? Why not? It's fiction. It's a fictional thing. Zombies aren't real. Why can't we have cowboys fighting zombies? Better yet, why can't we have samurais fighting zombies? That's why my second pick is an Akira style, Akira Kurosawa style samurai epic in which they fight zombies instead of other samurais. I'm in. I get bored with that. I'm in all the way. That is excellent. Thank you. I, you know, I think it'd be interesting. I'll check it out. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? I think I'd like to see some sort of very bleak. In the vein of uh, the oh my god, um, what's the the vampire? Oh, let the right one in. Yes, thank you. Uh, something very bleak in the vein of let the right one in and the Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo. This very Swedish, very cold, very bleak zombie thirty days of night style. I know what it is about newspaper picture? A news newspaper picture where we have our reporter, all of Daniel Craig, going <laughs> to do some sort of thing and. Zombies. I, I, essentially, I want to have I want World War Z and girl with the dragon tattoo and let the right one in to have a baby. Some kind of very cold, bleak baby. I like Sad that. Babies. <laughs> what is it with? Is it the cold? Is the weather? Is that why Scandinavia only likes? Death metal and sad films because they don't have any sunshine for nine months, and all they eat is fermented shark. <laughs> Scandinavia, get it together! You depress me, <laughs> Dustin. Do you, do we have a great many listeners in Sweden, and we love your listenership. Do we actually have listeners in Sweden? We have a lot. Ah, we love you, Sweden. How do you know this? I look at our recent, I look at our recent listens, and there's always at, uh, of the fifty, there's always a half dozen or more Swedish listens. Sweden. All Thanks for checking it out. Appreciate you and your weird food. Dustin Sells, what are your your thoughts on this this uh, cultural zombie catastrophe? My first pick would be I'd want a Czechoslovakian stop motion animation zombie <laughs> film. It's very specific. <laughs> all, all, there's a guy called Jan Schwenkmeyer. You can look him up on the internet. He's got tons and tons of shorts. Spell that because most of our listeners probably don't know how to spell Czechoslovakian names. Well, Jan is spelled J A N. Schwenkmeyer is S V E N K M A J E R. Any fun accent marks in there? Uh, there is a couple, but you can get it that way with the anglicized spellings. You'll be all right. And uh, he does a lot of great stuff with surrealism anyway, but he does this stop-motion animation, and I'm going to see all the zombies stop-motion animated, like a Ray Harryhausen movie, alongside all of our live-action actors running away, lopping off heads, which will come off quite easily, and whatnot, uh, for the, the, the course of the film. The other thing I'd like to see is a Bollywood musical with zombies. Because colors and fun, and you know, there's some dancing that can happen, and I could they could do things with their necks and shoulders. Actually, it's their necks and not their shoulders at all that I find very interesting. And I see a zombie doing this, and thriller eat your heart out. It'd be good times. Bollywood movies are funny because it's like 30 different movies in one movie, and they're all nine hours long. 
Now's the time in our show where we do what we always do and we talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Mr. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up? Yes! Oh, you want to know what about? Yes. I'm really excited about uh, the new trailer they released for Dolphin Tale 2. I'm kidding. I don't <laughs> care about Dolphin Tale 2. A little joke for you there, kids. Um, I really want to check out this uh, Australian post-apocalypse movie starring Guy Pearce called The Rover. Uh, hmm. It's also got what's his doodle from the Twilight movies. Robert Pattinson, that guy, that guy people like. Um, apparently, he was good in Cosmopolis. I don't it know. It was I really well reviewed in Cannes. The Rover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been hearing a lot about this. One. I'm really looking forward to checking hmm. it out. Um, I like the Apocalypse. I like Guy Pierce. Um, and uh, from what I heard, again, never got to see Animal Kingdom. The, this director's previous outing, but that sounded really interesting. So that's something I want to know more about. Um, also, uh, saw a trailer for the. I can't even. Words, I don't possess them to describe this film, but it stars Michael Keaton and it's called Birdman and mm-hmm. it looks awesome. I've yeah. been seeing posters on Tumblr. It, it sounds looks exciting. so good. Yeah. It ends with him and Edward Norton, who's in his underpants, slap fighting each other. <laughs> I, and it, it looks like a very meta look at the life of a man who is famous for playing a superhero. Hmm. Gee, sound familiar? Mm. Also started watching The Shield this last week, the uh, mm. one of the original FX original series mm-hmm. uh, way back in 2002. So this is a 12-year-old, almost a 14-year-old, that's, that's not right. A 12-year-old uh, series uh, is kind of famous for being the first in that, uh, that first wave of these anti-hero TV shows yep. along with The Sopranos. Um, this show is cool and interesting. The first episode, you're like, okay, I kind of dig this. I think I see where it's going. And then the last five seconds of the pilot of this show totally flips it on its head, and you're like, okay, I have no idea what this show is about. Holy crap. So watch the first episode of The Shield, and if you don't immediately watch three more, I will be stunned. Finally, by the time you hear this, um, I meant to mention it last week uh, when uh, you would have actually been able to hear it right after this, but it'll be a couple weeks over now. But E3 just ended. That is the Electronic Entertainment Expo which is a, a big video game press conference that lasts a week long and is held annually. Um, lots of cool releases. Uh, got to see a look at Assassin's Creed Unity, which takes place during the French Revolution. Got to see more of the new Batman game. Got to see more of Lord of the Rings, Shadows of Mordor. Uh, lots of cool stuff at E3 this year. Uh, I would recommend just downloading the IGN app for your phone or going to IGN.com and checking out their coverage of it because it was pretty solid and you get to look at all these uh, press releases uh, and watch uh, games being played and get to hear a little bit about the development process uh, for games in general, but specifically games that are going to be coming out in the next two to three years. So do that, because there were lots of cool games they showed this year. Um, I'm always hopeful for video games. They kind of have been in a creative slump the last couple of years, uh, similar to Hollywood, and, and the, there's, there's a lot of uh, franchise fatigue. And um, while there is plenty of that going on still, I think there are some innovators out there, especially with the, the burgeoning indie game market. So E3 always got me excited, but uh, it was particularly interesting this year, much more so than last year. Outstanding. Thank you, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up? Uh, <clears throat> slight simmer this week. There's only one thing, really, and that is Stephen King had a new book come out called Mr. Mercedes. God, how many books does that man write a year? Six or one seven. One or so, roughly. One or Just one. always writing. I'd yeah. Say weird it's so crazy i don't think there's any author that's more prolific uh, regardless i'm excited because i enjoy mr king's work quite a bit and so this one looks to be a little more interesting a little more uh, less supernatural more just kind of one of his societal fears type of thing as somebody uh, does a mass murder and then decides to do a much larger mass murder 
And so it's one of those types of stories and intrigue as a cop tries to chase him down. Sounds very upsetting. I'm I'm intrigued. It's not very often that he, he branches out from his supernatural thriller, no. but it's, it always seems to be, people seem to be interested when he does that. Yeah. It's a nice break. So, uh, that, that, that it for you, though, this week? Yeah. That, that wraps it up. Dustin Sells, what's got you fired up this week in popular fiction? Well, this is not fiction. It's actually true fact, history, world events. Uh, one thing going on right now is the World Cup. As many dear listeners know, I'm a big fan of soccer. Goal! I thought Arthur was going to join me. It's not oh. fun anymore. Uh, ole, ole, ole. Very good. And I... FIFA. <laughs> FIFA. FIFA. <laughs> this is the song <laughs> for the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> it's a cup for the world. <laughs> Just like making Dustin angry. <laughs> You're going to need to be wearing a cup. <laughs> Bazinga. <laughs> and I'm very pleased that our USA team beat Ghana just this, the day we record. And so we actually have a chance of getting out of the group of death. We were very, very poorly um, or unfortunately drawn into a group that you have to place first or second in in order to get out with very, very tough teams. And we've done the one thing that must be done to get out. Now, I'm... Why, why did that happen to these teams? Not just us, but all the other teams. Well, this is the, all the teams come out in a hat and they pull out groups of four, mm-hmm. and we just we drew a group that included Germany and Portugal and Ghana, who's beaten us twice in World Cup appearances, and Ghana being the easiest of the other three teams, we happen to beat them, and which is a big deal. If we can draw out uh, or beat one of the other two, I'm thinking Portugal, not Germany. Uh, if we're able to do that, then there's half a chance that we will actually make it into the knockout phase, which would be a big deal for us. So we, we don't know who won the Battle of Fascists yet? Not yet, but we're hoping that we can be a fascist contender. Uh, and the next thing that's got me fired up this week in popular culture is uh, Sophie Coppola is uh, greenlit for a new project. She's going to be doing a live-action version of The Little Mermaid, the Hans Christian Andersen huh. tale, and that sounds kind of exciting to me. Huh. And so I'll be very, very happy to see that. Also, finally, John Michael McDonough, the brother of Martin, has a film called Calvary about a priest who finds out he's going to be killed by a mobster and has a week to live and does some rectifying and soul-searching. And uh, there is uh, a whole lot going on in that film. And it's starring Brendan Gleeson as the priest in question. And it's going to be good times. And uh, there's a great write-up about Insight and Sound. And I want to see it very, very badly. But that's what's got me fired up this week at Pop Culture. And I'm glad to have heard the things that got you guys fired up. And I would love to hear what the dear listeners fired up about. Hey, listener, we're done. We are, and we're so glad you stayed with us throughout to the end of this rip-roaring show that we put together on Shaun of the Dead. It is part of a double feature, Bill. And so next week we'll be looking at yet another Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Nick Frost compilation film Hot Fuzz. It's point break, but not. And British and funny. And it's good times. And we've all seen Bad Boys 2 now, so that reference is there. Yes. Is... Now we know all the references in that film. There. <laughs> I had not seen Bad have Boys you ever... 2 the last time I watched this. Don, have you ever flown through the air shooting two guns at once? No, I haven't. Have you ever flown through the air shooting one gun? No. Hmm. You ever fired a car while driving? I is heard it that true? There... <laughs> I heard there was a place that a man said that if you shoot him, it explodes. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good show. It's, yeah, lots of quotes. I, I find Hot Fuzz actually more quotable than Shot of the Dead. Yeah. I really do. So take a look at 
hot fuzz. And in the meantime, while you're watching that, watch something else with somebody you care about and have a conversation there about and keep the conversation going with them. You can also converse with us all on Twitter. Where are you at, Dalton? I am located on Twitter at doll underscore stew. You can also find me on Letterboxd. It's just my name. Mr. Arthur Gordon, where are you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RNDTBL Review, as in Roundtable Review. And I'm at Dustin underscore Cells, S E double L S. Take a look at a movie, have a conversation. Until then, we'll see you next time.